To Paranoid America. This is podcast number nine of Paranoid America. I'm Russell Dowden. I used to publish the old Weird Magazine and, and the uh, Paranoid Magazine. Actually, we used to publish this one a long time back there. But I, I'm hosting the new Paranoid America podcast. This is our ninth edition of the podcast here on the show. And uh, this week we are going to be joined with another fellow podcaster. See, when I started doing these, when you have friends that have podcasts and you're starting your, your podcast off, it's always good to get get your buddies to come on the show and, and hang out with you and do this. So last week I had Heidi Hollis on the show. Heidi was uh, does the uh, Paranormal Podcast Network over there with Coast to Coast AM over there. And she was on Podcast 8 last week. This week joining me is my friend Christopher Jordan. He hosts a very cool podcast called Curiosity Realm. He's been doing uh, informative, entertaining episodics, delving into various topics such as ancient civilization, futuristic technologies, more. He's been interviewing a lot of experts, exploring these topics with greater depth, known for a great engaging presentation style, making complex topics accessible uh, to a wide-ranging audience. I tuned into his podcast just two nights ago. Uh, as well, and he had a really doozy of a guest on. I'm going to have him talk to us a little bit about that. Curiosity oh, Realm meets Paranoid America. How are you, man? Yeah, right. It happened. It happened. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Russell. How you been doing, man? Hey, good, good. You know, you had me on your... It's funny. You had me on your old show before Dudes the rebrand. Before you had yeah. the rebrand, and then when you interviewed me on that show, I was on... Talking to you about my other show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about Texas Hemp Reporter. That's right. Exactly. And That's I need right. to have you back on, actually, with Curious Round talking about Texas Hemp Reporter and all of the new hemp stuff going on in Texas, things like that. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite things to do with the show is kind of talk about current events. A lot of people ask me why even earlier you were like, oh, wow, the first guest is live. The second guest is pre-recorded. And a lot of that is because... Yeah, we do a lot of topical stuff that's going on in the news, and that can be kind of hard to do in a fully pre-recorded format, you know? Um, I'm live every Tuesday, so sure, like, we may be a couple days behind, but things are still pretty fresh whenever we hit them. Yeah, so. and, and that's the thing is we, uh, we, we've we usually been, we've always been recording, but we're starting to play mm. with more with live shows and we feel like it's a, you know, that's something we can do is, is just get, it saves you all the edit work. You don't have to edit oh, when you well, just do yeah. it live. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, absolutely. Number one, it gets you, it gets you into the mentality of let's try to forget about editing. Definitely. I wish that were true with my ESPN show, the the Texas Hemp shows on ESPN mm. in Austin and, and they want you know, they want me to stick to the clock 
And you so I have to, to I have clock. to have, you can't not stick to the clock. I have to turn in each segment, you know, the way they want it. And that's how yep. that goes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it can be tough. It can be tough, man. Whenever you have that broadcast clock ticking in front of your face and a topic, especially if you're moving on a topic and conversation is going, uh, I hear it in my head all the time. We're skipping this commercial break. Well, We're you, this break. well, that's Where why, <laughs> that's why, I mean, I still, I don't really need it for this show, Chris, but but this That's this right. the timer is for my other show and I still use it here on this one uh just so I have it but I need it for the 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 ESPN show because because oh, of the commercial break. Got, well, you've got like a 10 minute at the top of the hour and a 5 minute then another 10 minute then you come back and it's 8 minutes. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's, it's not the a the broadcast two, clocks are weird, man. It, it's interesting cuz they're different everywhere you go. Yeah, right. and if you chop it for if you chop it for a different local station, they give they give you a totally different pie slice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I still have to use. I'm old school. I still got to use the wheel clock. Hey, uh, man, just to whatever it takes, just to keep that thing going. But anyway, we're talking <laughs> broadcasting. We'll eventually get into some total some para- baseball. Let's get some paranormal <laughs> stuff going over here and talk with our, our buddy uh, Chris Jordan with Curiosity Realm. I think we've got the website pulled up. Maybe we can share that with with folks so we can see uh, your side here. I got to hear Mike Turber on with you the other night. Man, yeah, he is a personal fave. He's great. Five by Five News is Mike's uh, uh, website and news show. I really was impressed by going through your guest list you. on your site, and I'm thinking, okay, I need to hit old Chris up for some guests over there on, <laughs> from Curious uh, Realm because you had some really cool ones. Some of them I knew, many of them I didn't, but I really found Mike Turber's interview with him uh, very interesting Hi. the other day. And y'all were talking about this technology of uh, this uh, anti-deceptive um, radio frequency balloons that were flying around. And then you found one on Walmart or something. It was a yeah, yeah, defram, yeah, defram tech. Yeah, uh, <laughs> tell tell us a crazy. tell us a little uh, bit about that recent show that people can hear. Well, uh, the recent one we were we were going through a lot of the uh, recent UAP whistleblower testimony in Congress from David Grush. Yes. Um, and, and really breaking that down, a lot of what my show is, not that I don't discuss paranormal um, things like that, but I try to demystify the topics because there is something there. Um, and it's kind of like the NASA panel said, like there there is a three to five percent anomaly out there. And that's literally our job as scientists. Why are we not looking at this? Because mm-hmm. we're afraid of ridicule like that. That's our job. Um, and that's kind of what I see my job is, is to have the conversations about things that, hey, sometimes people don't want to have uh, because they're uncomfortable. Like one of my one of my favorite guests to have on is Billy Joe Kane, the owner of Radical Empathy Education Foundation here in town. He does mm-hmm. uh, VR for human trafficking, teaching people how to literally identify somebody who has been human trafficked. So. If you work in education, if you work in the hotel industry, things like that, like how do you spot somebody who's crying for help and maybe you don't realize it? Um, and he wow. uses VR to teach you that. It's it's pretty remarkable. And I've been talking with him for five years and he's finally gotten to the point of being on the FBI radar. Oh, like they they just contacted him about coming and doing presentations. Wow. With his technology. And it's, it's interesting to follow these topics and see these hard conversations that are out there. Like there is, 
we were having the conversation before the show. There is a huge thing going on in human trafficking right now. They just, the FBI just had like a multi-state, like 12-state swing where where they caught like 20 or 30 different perpetrators and freed like 200 kids. Mm. Like th- this stuff is in our backyard, man. And well, for that's some a, reason it's not on the evening news. Well, that's the thing. And that's what this film, you know, Sound of Freedom, Freedom is exposing yeah. is that, you know, and there's no coverage of it on the mainstream media. I, I subscribe to some of these other podcasts like Redacted and other mm-hmm. alternative media. And, you know, they, they cover the the alternative uh, look, a viewpoint of this. And, and then there's no coverage from MSNBC or, or any of the mainstream yeah. media outlets. They just don't even want to talk about this, this traf- trafficking issue. Now, and, and to, to your point, you, you told me about a news story that broke earlier today that I hadn't been aware of. Yeah. Honestly, one, one of the act, it was dumbfounding when I found out about it. And, uh, Mike kind of mentioned it to me in texts back and forth between the last couple of days. Hey, keep your ears out. And sure enough, the apparently one of the financiers of the film Sound of Freedom has been taken into custody for possible human trafficking. Um, and like I was saying, it's it's weird whenever you start seeing these things. And it's one of those like, my God, was this somebody who was trying to rot this message from the core? Before it ever even got out, because right now this independent Christian made movie, don't get me wrong. I don't care what anybody's race creed is. Doesn't matter to me. Um, But it's interesting that here is this movie out of an utter non-major production house. Destroying every major production out there money wise. It has toppled Mission Impossible in sales. It's everything that's come out against it. It's stood up against. It's pretty remarkable well, to see that for an independent film to begin with, much much less one with this topic matter. Well, Chris, what's really kind of disturbing about it is that uh, the film was owned by Disney, who is supposedly all about children and and yeah. children's programming since the 1950s and uh, yeah. or even before with Walt Disney's cartoons started in as early as the late 30s. But yeah. uh, they, they pushed this film out and then it was delayed because of uh, distribution. Uh, they had yeah. to get it. They had to get the rights to it and another another distributor. And, and so um, isn't that odd, though, that the Disney uh, we would think they would want to get some, you know, get this message of, of these, uh, uh, you know, uh, trafficking of children out there. That's not, but that's not a message Disney wants to get behind. Or it's a tough message. It's a once again, it's a hard, hard message to think about, um, because we, man, nobody wants to think that this is in their backyard, Russell. Yeah, nobody wants to think that. Like, heck, the even the founder of Radical Empathy, Billy Joe Kane, I'll, I'll hook you up with him. He's a fantastic guest. Yeah. Um, he found out about this because his children were groomed by a family friend. Mm. Like, you don't know until it happens to you or, or until it happens close to you. And once you do, buddy, it's everywhere. It's disturbing. Um. Uh-huh. And once you start following the blotters on it, you'll you'll really start seeing it every month or so um, smooth. I see an FBI sting with 100 or so uh, children or young adults freed. Mm. Um, it's mind numbing. 
mind-numbing. And yeah. and even even the topics uh, of of paranormal nowadays. It's interesting to see that these topics are no longer anathema the way that they once were. Mm-hmm. Um, You're right. It, it, at one point, Russell, we wouldn't we wouldn't have heard any of these stories. Period. Uh, they would have been buried away. We wouldn't be hearing um, about UFO whistleblowers in Congress, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and that was kind of my point. Whenever I started the show Tuesday, was um, I firmly understand anybody out there who does not believe in UFOs, extraterrestrials, anything like that. The the evidence is scant, my friend. I'm a believer's believer. But when you come down to evidence, evidence, we're talking maybe a one to two percent range. It would not hold up in a court of law. And, you know, it would be one of those. Would you want that evidence to defend you? Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) uh, Because it's kind of spurious. Like, would you want them to bring you up on charges on that kind of evidence? You know, Um, and granted, but. We have to look at the accountability, and that, that's the point that I brought up. When you're talking about a, a means and appropriations committee hearing, which is what this was, this, this was the, the gang of eight, the people who literally hold the purse strings of Congress, and they wanted to know how this program that apparently dealt with crash retrieval, possible bodies, um, and, and NHI, non-human intelligences, um, how this got past them, <laughs> how this was part of a compartmentalized program. Uh, and numerous times Grush went through saying like, Hey, you know, that I can get into the actual means and ways in which they altered this money flow. Well, I mean, like, you, but I can't you, do it public. You know, there's this famous scene in, Independence Day, they're on the plane, they've already evacuated the uh, White House, and you know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Judd Hurst says, well, you don't think they really spend $50,000 on a toilet seat, $30,000 yeah, yeah. on a hammer? Yeah, well, and that's exactly <laughs> one of the things that they brought up, precisely one of the ways that they that did. money gets funded and comes through. It, it was exactly brought up in no uncertain terms. That, like, is this done by them overcharging for things? Yes, absolutely. Uh, through IRAD programs. And um, once again, what what's phenomenal is, A, to see that the conversation is being had, period. True. But, but B, whether or not you accept the possibility of extraterrestrial life, what have you, um, you have to look at it in the point of view of the Pentagon Papers, in the point of view of, uh, you know, Iran-Contra. These were things that were run behind the back of Congress. These were things that were totally illegal, illegally funded, um, totally against our constitution uh, that the American people did not know about. These people are our employees. Like, how would you feel if your employee for the last over 50 years (laughs) was hiding money from you Yeah, and hiding data from you? Um, And that's exactly what they brought up. And that's how we really have to see it come the end of it all is the accountability of it amongst the chain. Uh, because if, if we don't hold them accountable, then yes, it will continue to happen. And uh, I have held this entire time that we are probably looking at a very disseminized um, and, and planned rollout of information because there there is a realm of technology out there, Russell, that mm. that's there. 
Man, for sure. Like the, the patents for uh for for an F-18 size nuclear reactor came out a year ago. Like uh, whenever you're like, oh, you'd need a nuclear reactor to do that. Well, we have them and they're about the size of a car now. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, and they probably had it since 1962. Yeah. Oh no, we regularly show the actual branded video from Lockheed Skunk Works where the guy is standing in front of it it's no bigger than the room i'm in he's like yeah this thing this is like the fifth generation and we can two three generation this every year by the time this project's done i'm gonna need to look for another job i'm like 25 like it's like oh my god they're talking two to three generations per year and that was a 2012 video you wow. know so yeah uh whenever you're looking at the the actual um declassified documents and the 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 new documents that are out there with stuff like that it's it's pretty phenomenal i mean here's the actual i can bring it up right here here's the actual patent um for it so oh wow yeah it's the size of a couch this, yeah <laughs> no this is this is size to fit inside of an f16 to f18 platform so an actual nuclear reactor that well, is sized to fit inside of an airplane. Well, look, isn't this what we saw or have, you know, that's what I, I 22 years ago, I interviewed Edgar Fouché, who was, mm -hmm. who, who talked about the TR-3B and he called, yep. he had a book that he had to write as a fiction book. Chris called yeah. Alien Rapture. I had Ed Fouché on. Met Ed a few times at conferences. Wow. And and wow. Ed Ed Fouché talked about this nuclear powered triangular platform that was the TR3B. And I mean, yeah. I, I remember him. But these had these had some kind of reactor that were they're they're you know the three. The, the, yeah. That's what you see under the triangular craft is the bottom is the reactor. Yeah, the main one in the center was was a large reactor that was actually spinning uh, red mercury. That's right. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, to create the field. And then the ones on the outside basically took power from that and were stabilizers um, that were like magnetic repulsors, basically uh, gravitational repulsors, rather. Um, and and yeah, like I've. The patent for the TR3B is out there. Yeah, it I'd, is. I'd love to, like, it's on my website. I have, yeah. a, I have a whole list of declassified documents on there. And I want to talk um, about some of those on that list. Uh, Paranoid America, this is episode nine. I'm Russell Dowden. Been doing paranormal, paranormal talk radio for many, many years, starting since 1999. My guest this week on the show, Christopher Jordan, is the host of Curiosity Realm uh, and their podcast. And when you go to curiosityrealm.com, I'm on or was on here maybe carl can bring it up but it's the uh, knowledge forward slash paranormal link but uh curious realm and you're you've got this list of different topics and i kind of pulled some of my favorite ones off of here just mm. to talk to these as talking points with you because they're on yeah. your side and I'm, some of the ones really jumped out at me but um Paranormal list here. You've got uh, the uh, with everything going on with the Washington D.C. whistleblowers hearings, but you know this really goes back to. 1960 in that Brookings report, Chris. Oh, where it, where it really, this is where they decided, hey, 
we don't think they can handle the truth. Uh, let's yeah. keep it from them here. And this, there, you know, there's a page on the Brookings Institute report, which again is shortened for the proposed study of peaceful space activities for human affairs. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's yeah. the actual damn uh, document. But yeah, very important that document, Chris, because that really st- it sets the precedent that, hey, the public isn't ready for this. Well, and, and it also sets the precedent for never forget your government has been thinking about this for a long, 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 long time. Um, in in the Grush testimony, one of the questions that was asked was, was the government aware of NHIs, non-human intelligences, and if so, for how long? And the answer came back, yes, since 1939. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, now, once again, non-human intelligence, very important term. Uh, everybody and they they prefaced it at the beginning. If you're if you're tuning in today to hear about little green men, you probably tuned into the wrong place. Um, <laughs> because once again, non-human intelligence leaves that door open. One of the things that we discuss regularly on my show is we we see a see and hear a very, very narrow band of the electromagnetic spectrum. There is an entire world going on around us, both dimensionally and frequency-wise, that we cannot see. It's slightly shifted outside of us, yet still exists directly next to us. Um, And it doesn't take much to tap into that, to make that happen. Um, For years, people called things like remote viewing, stuff like that, uh, fantasy, work of science fiction. It's pretty quantifiable, actually. Uh, The lab work done on it is pretty amazing. Um, But in addition to that, this last year, the the Nobel Prize went to quantum entanglement. The fact that two particles can be entangled despite distance. So, I mean, we we've already proved non local non local consciousness. So, when when you're putting all these things together, it really makes for once again, if you if you just say these things are coming from another planet, you've narrowed an already narrowed field instead of having a wide swath to look at. So I think it was pretty smart of Grush to to keep things to that NHI terminology, because as far as we know, what we're looking at, unless we have direct contact with them, which he said he did not, he has evidence from other people, he has testimony from affidavits from people uh, who are willing to come forward, but it's different because he's there he has this information. He has their connection. And stay right there, Chris. Time to hold the line. Stay, Absolutely. Stay right there. We're going to take our first commercial break. Do it. This is Paranoid America. We'll be back on the other side with Christopher Jordan of Curiosity Realm Podcast. We'll be back after this. Paranoid America. Disaster can strike at any time. Be ready before it hits the fan. You are not a caveman. So don't use caveman technology. Our revolutionary meals heat themselves. Just pour the saltwater solution on the heating pad. Place the meal face down on the heating tray. 
slide it back in the box and wait five minutes. You'll have a hot, nutritious meal that is tough enough for any disaster. Whether it's power outages, winter storms, or the end of the world, you'll be good to go. So what are you waiting for? Get your gear today. Disaster food supplies. Survive. Satisfy. Remember, you do not realize you are in an interstellar conveyance. You are already outside the atmosphere of your own planet. In an instant of your time, we travel from beyond your moon to the surface of your Earth. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. Demonstration. status report. The operational and all my circuits are functioning perfectly. Excellent! Engineering to Captain Kirk. Kirk, yeah, what is this guy? Ready to try it when you are, sir. Inform engine room to prepare for maximum acceleration. Energize. Hey, it works! Program complete. Enter when ready. Welcome back to Paranoid America. This is podcast number nine this week. Our guest is a good friend, Christopher Jordan, host of the Curiosity Realm podcast. And we're talking paranormal and uh, and uh, just alternative out there, really, uh, as we've kind of bounced around our conversation a little bit, talking some Sound of Freedom and some recent news there with that producer uh, being exposed. Uh, maybe they're... They're, they're maybe they're Epsteining that guy. I don't know that whatever they're going to do with that guy, they're going to Epstein him maybe. But uh, TR3B patent filed by U.S. Navy is another one of these uh, topics that is on your paranormal list on mm-hmm. Curiosity Realm's website, curiosity, curiousrealm.com. Many of those crafts are probably our own of these Navy ones. I think the Navy, Chris, and I'll get your thoughts on this, but I think that the Navy has a lot of this technology in its arsenal. Yeah. I think a lot of our earliest um, sightings, ET stuff, anything related to anything UFO, I think it all spawns back to the U.S. Navy. We we definitely have a long military history with a lot of technology. And I mean... Um, that that I think really, whenever you look at things, that that's exactly what Eisenhower was trying to warn us about mm-hmm. on his way out. Um, not too long ago, I went back and listened to that whole speech, and you can really, you know, as as somebody who was a general um, who saw war, you can you can hear the desperation in his voice mm-hmm. of like. 
please, people, please go wrestle your power back from them. We, we had to give up so much and make these things happen in order to win a war, but they weren't supposed to happen this way. Industry isn't supposed to have its feet in the government this way. Uh, we aren't supposed to have contractors working this way. We aren't supposed to have a military working this way. Yeah. Please do not forget that. Yeah. Um, and he we saw have rapidly and vapidly forgotten that. Yeah. We will. <laughs> we'll certainly, you know, there's the generations have, you know, come down since 1960 um, when he gave that that uh, uh, speech, we've lost that. And he saw men yeah. die on, on the battlefield there in, in yeah. World War II and, and certainly felt for the American people. I probably need to go back and rewatch that as well because I, I we it, talked about that a few weeks ago. A, it gave me a whole different aspect, man. And I'd, I'd heard it for so many years. But honestly, you hear that one slice. And you forget about the part that comes before that, where he's literally, like I said, almost pleading like, good God, people, please don't forget. Mm -hmm. Like, please don't let these people keep control of this. Um, it's pretty, pretty heartening to hear. Well, you know, uh, when, when we talk about the 30s and the late 30s, where this U.S. Navy may have come into contact with maybe ET technology in the late thirties. We also know a lot about the Germans and what they were working yeah. on during world war two. And you know about this. And I, my girlfriend and I were watching the hearings on uh, this on YouTube or CNN. We were watching the stream. Actually, we weren't on the cable yeah, yeah. network. We were watching yeah, it on yeah. YouTube, the stream of the testimonies yeah. given by these guys. The associated press stream. That's always my <laughs> Yeah. The AP. That's, I think that's exactly where I was, was the AP YouTube page. But she was asking me questions because she knows I'm into this space. She knows I host this show. I've, sure. I post, published Weird Magazine, InfoWars Magazine, Paranoid Magazine. I've been into this space for a long time. Anyway, yeah. I laid out a pretty good history for her, Chris, on what mm -hmm. I couldn't understand is going back to what I believe the UFO you know, history goes back to the Germans and you know, a pre-project paperclip. And, oh, yeah. and, uh, and I think things really got started with the Battle of Los Angeles that people don't often overlook the 1942, yeah. three and a half, four hour night of, of shelling of these craft over Santa Monica Bay. Bay. Literally, literally shelling and shelling and shelling for hours. And that's where um, this whole thing, and it kind of start there in some ways, uh, you know, the modern day, yeah. um, Cover up of, of of unidentified aerial phenomena really started when with the Battle of Los Angeles uh, that summer in 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 uh, in 1942 uh, while while we were you know at war with the Japs in 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 the Pacific. Um, yeah, that that kind of got us going, and then you go and you look into Admiral Byrd and Project High Jump, and I kind of will go through the 40s, and, and we get to Roswell, yeah. and then I'm telling her about, you know, the we get into the 47, the National Security Act, we get the CIA, we get the NSA, we get uh, Roswell, um, and then you get all the way to 1952, where these UFOs are flying over Washington, D.C., Chris. Yeah, uh, where there's literally days. Day. Days on end. That, for yeah, it wasn't just like a one-off. It didn't just like pop up. Like there, the Air Force was on high alert for days 
with waves of these things. Um, it was pretty remarkable. It was pretty remarkable. And, and uh, one of those things, it's funny because you always hear like, you know, uh, like with Bigfoot, like, oh, it'll take a body on a slab. Well, what will it take with a UFO? It'll take a UFO landing on, on the, the White, White House, House lawn. lawn. Yeah, guess, yeah. I guess flying over it doesn't information. This happened yeah, in July, July 1952. <laughs> it was on camera. Yeah. Uh, news agencies reported yeah. on this for days. It was, yeah. Once again, it was not an isolated incident. It happened days on end. Um, it was pretty remarkable and there there have been quite a few of those uh, i mean even the famous phoenix lights yeah. the, the 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 main sighting wasn't the main sighting there were sightings long before that there was almost a month full of sightings yeah yeah um, dr lynn kitai would be a great guest for you she put out a fantastic book and has phoenixlights.org um she's probably spoken to more phoenix light witnesses than anybody else well well, Chris, when that happened, I was running uh, – I had just started Set Lab with Sonny Solace down in McAllen, mm -hmm. Texas. That was an acronym for Studies of Extraterrestrial Life and Answers from Beyond. Back in 97, oh, wow. back when that incident occurred, we reached out to Frances Barwood, the city councilwoman mm -hmm. who was making a stink about the sightings, you know, not being – there was not – stuff was being withheld yeah. – and I um, contacted her and reached out to her just to have a conversation about what her experience was. And um, but there was a lot of weird shit going on in March yeah, of, of 1997. And, you know, you can start with that Hale Bob comet. You can start yep. with a go uh, uh, the assassination of Biggie Smalls. It's, I don't know where that fits in, but I just know that <laughs> I it just was action packed, man. But there it was, was action -packed. you had the Heaven's Gate cult. Uh, there was uh, yeah. sightings uh, going on, like you said, all month long in in that spring. Yeah. It was a ninety seven was a real freaking weird year. It was for it uh, was. The, for ufology in, in general. Well, and you know, it, it like you're saying, there is there is a long and storied history of this stuff, especially around military bases. I mean, even right now, one of the big things that came out just before this hearing with Grush and or Grush rather and. Uh, Fravor and Davis, uh, they were literally talking about how our ranges were were in jeopardy, uh, that they were they were being invaded. Their flight lines were being invaded by UAPs, things like that. Yeah. And and one of the statements that came out was literally if the if the average person saw some of the footage that we've seen, uh, they would they would be believing in a different way. It was, it was pretty remarkable mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. because we are just now starting a big conversation in our world, at least in this side of our world, Russell, um, other sides of the world have been having this conversation for years. Countries like France declassified their documentation years ago. They've been, they've been working in consortiums together, France uh, and Italy and Brazil like that for, for decades. Yeah, Brazil, um, Belgium, there's other yeah, countries Mexico. that have very Mexico have very open programs about yeah. this. They they have scientists already, you know, the government's involved with uh civilian agencies, you know, in yeah. releasing the 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 information. Uh we and, just don't No, just we don't we don't have that <laughs> that kind of transparency here. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. And that's I think that is what a lot of people are trying to get to is at least the transparency of it. 
you know, um, because without the transparency, we can't get to fact. We don't, we don't know what's there. We don't know what's real, what's false. And it's hard for the intelligence committees and people to do what they do when things are obfuscated from them. That that's kind of what exactly came out is that things have been obfuscated and that there has been a long campaign of obfuscation. Chris, have you ever had a chance? I've never, I've interviewed a lot of guys over the years, but I have never had a chance to speak to Stephen Greer. I mean, he's been in the limelight lately. Have he's ever, a dream guest. Yeah, he's, he's a dream guest. I don't know how people get him on, but he's, he, I, you am, know. I am fractally connected. I have, I have my like little fractal guest tree, <laughs> you know, where it's like, what, I'm connected to this person now. Now I'm one step further to this person, this person, and this person. Seven, six degrees um, of separation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and well, you know, as as you know, my job as producer used to literally be to Google stalk guests. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was my job was they don't seem to have a social media profile. Go find them. Um, okay. <laughs> Let well, me, he would be a, he would sleuthing. be he would be a great guest to have on for either of us on on these pod, respective podcasts. But but I mean, what do you think of his effort to uh, you know get get some kind of uh, movement going with with Congress? And I kind of I kind of think he started a lot of this. So you know, twenty Agent? years ago, twenty years ago, and uh, I, think, I think he definitely he was definitely the tip of the spear in a lot of ways. Russell, um, especially whenever you look at um, exposing the cabal, there is definitely a cabal of people out there that have an agenda that is not necessarily the rest of everybody's agenda. Um, and that occurs anywhere, man. Like, heck, I'm a fourth degree knight of Columbus. I guarantee you there's three dudes out there plotting something. Uh, they ain't plotting <laughs> world domination, but they're probably plotting how they can take over their local council. You know? Um, <laughs> hey, we're going to get whiskey at bingo night. I tell you what, it's going to happen. <laughs> like, guaranteed, there's always that, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, man, when it came back in the early 2000s, uh, late 90s man when he first infiltrated Bohemian Grove that man oh you mean I, Alex Alex Jones oh yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah um he he's definitely been been up there on a lot of things now you know he's had his rough times his rough goes as of things I've, I've always found it interesting though this this is one of the many topics that he shied away from he never really yeah. Like talking UFOs. You yeah, never really I, wanted I, to talk I, about UFOs. Um, yeah, I've I've met and known Alex since 2000, and he always stayed a little clear of this. Now, the thing is, the truth, the, the fact is, is that if you knew Alex Jones, as I had have had the opportunity mm -hmm. to speak and hang out with or for some time off and on, he does talk about them when you just when oh, you're yeah. just if oh, you're no, just hanging out with him. He'll talk oh, to yeah. He'll talk, he'll to, talk you. to you. He'll talk about it for hours. <laughs> yeah, he sure will. He'll talk about it for hours in private conversation. But buddy, like yeah, he gets somebody on the line. He's like, hey, yo, we're gonna be talking about this today. Just so you know, before we go live, we ain't talking about the green men, okay? <laughs> hey, <laughs> like, and for <laughs> listeners, here, and for listeners that don't know, where you're listening to Paranoid America, my guest uh, again, Christopher Jordan with the Curiosity Realm podcast uh, here on my podcast, Paranoid America. But we both have something in common in that we both worked 
in the Infowar bunker there with uh, yeah, with yeah. Alex Jones. I ran a magazine for him and published the Infowars magazine from 2012 to 2014. Around 2013 or 14, you when I left yeah. the building, you came into the building as a producer there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were we'd cross paths here and there. I knew you were over in the other building, stuff like that. Uh -huh. But yeah, like you were saying at the beginning, I I actually used to write for your rock and roll magazine here in town. Things like that. Yeah. That is how we first met. Was through through the realm of Infowars. Yeah, we both, yeah, we were we, swimming in. We those... met, and then I found out that you were printing the magazine, and you found out I was a producer, and it was like, whoa, that. Yeah, we that's were swimming to begin with. We were both swimming in the Infowars <laughs> pool uh, there right. in South that's Austin, right. and and then I ended up getting you involved in uh, as a writer in my music magazine, yeah. and and then uh, and then hell, I. Years later, you had me on your show a couple years ago, and then I. Yeah. This Do you is want camp reporter. That's right, and well, and then well, the, here's the thing, Chris, is that all of this stuff that's been going on is what got me interested back in doing this. Hearing you, mm -hmm. hearing your show, seeing oh, other friends you. of mine doing shows, here uh, watching yeah. younger generation of doing these. I I just I used to do this in the '90s, early 2000s, and and mm -hmm. interview all these Stanton Friedman and David Icke, I, you know, uh, Jim Mars. Yeah, yeah. These guys, a lot of those guys are all are all dead and passed on now, and. Um, yep. it's just, uh, it's one of my passions about this topic and I just wanted to get back into it. So it's really cool. Yeah. And, and man, you are, you are eons of podcasts. How many podcasts are you on? How, how many have you done of this, uh, of this all together with you throw in your old one with the new if I throw in my old one, we'd be coming up on episode 600 almost. We are coming up <laughs> on episode 100 of curious realm and, uh, no, I guess 500. So, cause it was 350. Whenever I set yeah. myself on fire and changed into Curious Realm, uh, that, was, that was one of the coolest experiences ever. Shout out to my friend, Dr. Danger, um, local stuntman who actually set me on fire and we filmed it. Uh, for the closing of Cure. <laughs> that was, that was the finale for Dudes and Beer was me wearing a Dudes and Beer shirt being caught on fire and walking around. Oh, gosh. Well, epic. I've done 138 of the hip show, and I started wow. that right after wow. or before you rebranding. So, yep. yeah, you definitely did have done over 100 and something of the Curiosity ones because uh, I was just a tad ahead of you mm -hmm. on the before the rebrand because I was on your, your, your old show. But uh, stay right there. We're going to take another Absolutely, quick, I'm here. Quick, quick, quick commercial break. Uh, Chris Jordan, our guest, Curiosity Realms, his podcast. You're listening to Paranoid America. We'll be right back. Into black with flowers, I love her to come back. I see people turn their heads and quickly look away. Like a newborn baby, it just happens every day. I look inside myself and see my heart is black I see my red door, I must have it painted black Maybe then I'll fade away and I have to face the facts It's not easy facing up when your whole world is black No more will my green seagull turn a deeper blue while it's been widely discussed that UFOs are of an alien nature, uh, we are starting to realize that many of these may also be man-made. The stuff I was working on wasn't classified. 
the programs that we're monitoring were. Unconventional and unacknowledged activities and science that are not supposed to exist. It accelerated at about a 30 degree angle of attack and left him in the dust. I mean, boom, eight to 10,000 miles an hour. They looked like butterflies that were on fire. Well, when I played the footage back, there was a TR-3B sitting there cloaked above that ship the entire time. Why is it that if these are solid triangular craft, are we able to sometimes see stars through them? You're going to have militarization of space, like an arms race in space, and that's going to require a significant classified component. That is a secret space program. We're dealing with something very close to alien technology, engineered down to the atomic level. Something really odd is going on out there. Are you tired of the lies, conspiracies, and propaganda the deep state uses to program you? Does the thought of empirical corporate globalism make you paranoid? Then Paranoid America is your source for alternative news. Listen to Paranoid America weekly on the GCN Radio Network or wherever podcasts are available. Your filter for mainstream fake news and disinformation. Featuring world news, the paranormal, cover-ups, UFOs, cosmic disclosure, secret space programs, and the parapolitical soup of today's global theater. If you aren't paranoid, you aren't listening. The Paranoid America Radio Show. Now, live from an underground bunker fortified with cheese whiz and crackers. The man dressed in black fatigues, wearing a tin hat made of aluminum foil. Your host, Mr. Paranoid, Russell Dowden. to podcast number nine of the Paranoid America show. This is our our rebrand of Weird Radio. We did Weird Radio for many, many years, and um, this is kind of my rebrand of Weird Radio in a lot of ways, as uh, Chris also rebranded our guest, our guest this week, Chris Jordan, Curiosity Realm Podcast. He's done a tons of those. He's got probably 500 of these shows that he's done. Uh, and when did you get started with that beer one? Oh, man, I got started with Dudes and Beer. I guess that was like... <laughs> That's right, uh, Dudes and Beer. God, what was that, 2016? No, you, like were, that. you were doing it in 2013. It was, it was, well, I mean, I had talking sound, which I still have, um, which is about my beloved AV industry, things mm. like that. We mm. interview all kinds of engineers and tech people. I go out to CES for that every year. But uh, yeah, it was, I guess, maybe 2013, something like that. I, well, um, I thought it was about 2013, was, 2014 when you got it the... Was right up around there. Yeah. Um, it was it was shortly after my stint with Alex that I started doing mm-hmm. it and started it and it really started very organically. It was the fact of uh, I I saw that people weren't having conversations the way that they used to. Man, um, our world got really compartmentalized really fast, uh, and and it seemed like 
people just weren't being open-minded anymore and, and listening to other people's point of views. So I brought together two people who were from different walks of life than me, did different things than me. And we talked about hard topics every week over a six pack of beer. <laughs> and we may agree, we may vehemently disagree, but we will still be friends and we will still be on this microphone together next Tuesday. Um, <laughs> And, and that's where it started was very much that idea of like America was born in a, in a tap room, you know, by a bunch of dudes that there was the pig farmer and the mayor. And the one thing they all agreed with was, Hey, we don't like that. What are we going to do about it? You know? Um, and at some point we stopped having that conversation. At some point we stopped finding that common ground with the person that we share fence lines with, mm-hmm. you know, and just because they have a different color placard, out on their lawn during voting time for some reason now we'll gladly not give them wood in the middle of winter yeah it's uh it's you know? the country's and more div- disturbing it, it, it is chris <laughs> and then we're we're more divided than we probably have ever been in in many a decade many a decade in, in some ways you know, uh, it's pretty it's pretty the, concerning man one of the things i remind people about all the time is never forget we have lost a lot of people in war we have lost a lot of people in world wars we have never lost as many people as we have in our civil war yeah we yeah. we killed more of each other than we did other people across the globe. Never forget that. Um, mm-hmm. and that was family versus family, and we are right up against that right now. And it's really interesting how all of five years ago, Russell, the conversations stopped around holiday tables because of politics. Um, and it's yeah. interesting to see the conversations around holiday tables now where it's about paranormal. <laughs> and it's about ufos and it's yeah. about like wow you know like I, I didn't really think that was a thing but crazy uncle johnny he's not so crazy huh um what's your thought and, and it's interesting to see how that has kind of dissolved some of the conversation line you know and it's really brought people back to a point of it at the least having a common a common ground to look at things from you know yeah and i think i think uh people don't want to talk at the dinner table about the pandemic and everything we've gone through with COVID and all of this, this is uh, the you, family members really get taken aback with one another at the dinner table at the holidays. If you bring up something like this, since I found it, at least in my family, uh, not, yeah. not a conversational piece at no, the Thanksgiving not, dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's interesting to see the conversations opening. It's interesting to see people talking. It's interesting to see people who for years um, have not been comfortable sharing their story, coming forward with their story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to experiencers um, there, we, we talked to quite a few experiencers on my show. Uh, people like Sev talk who are now, part of the experience or resource team for MUFON Mm -hmm. stuff like that, where like she had actual marks on her body coming back uh, from her encounter, things like that. And um, these can be very, very traumatic events. One of the things I say on my show regularly is I, I got tons of guest books on these shelves behind me. Oh, yeah. Very few of them are a happy-go-lucky experience when it starts. <laughs> Let me tell you, you when, know, when I started, like most of them it's it's scary. It's a scary experience. Doesn't matter the paranormal experience; it, it'll freak you right out. Well, that's and, uh, and make you not want to share it for fear of ridicule. If you ever come to my house in Round Rock, you've got to check out my 
paranormal library. I mean, if you've got one, I've got one too, man. And and a lot of those books dwarfs mine. <laughs> uh, I, I've got a lot of books that I got from publishers when I was doing the show in the '90s and early 2000s. They would mm. just back then they would just give yeah. you the book for free to yeah, interview yeah. to interview the publishers would just give me books back in the old days. But um, would love to love to uh, kick back a beer with you and and, and share oh, share some library libraries it's, with you on those old books. It's, it's interesting because when I go to when I go to conferences, I'll normally go up and just buy all of the books on a person's table. Like I'll tell you, I'll take one of each of them. You know, mm-hmm. are you serious? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Because um, I come from the world of rock and roll. Bands don't get paid by the door. Yeah, yeah, they, they get paid they, by the like CD not a and the album. One of those conference people or authors are getting paid because of what tickets got sold. Hey, since since uh, since you mentioned like they're making their money by selling books. Since you mentioned that, uh, n- next week mm. next week on my show is my uh, one of my buddies. Uh, it's a, a old colleague, Tim Schwartz, used to go by Commander X. He and Sean oh. Castile have written a new book called Mimics. I just got this in the mail uh, today, Ooh. and uh, I'll be having uh, uh, Tim Schwartz will be on talking about the others among us. Uh, they look human, they act human, but they're not human. They are the others, and this is the new book, Mimics. And uh, I'd, I'd be happy to get you in touch with. See, you and I could be very resourceful for one another we as far be, as we could, exchanging yeah. guest ideas. I, I could tell Absolutely, you that. Absolutely, man. I was going to say right up along that that alley. I regularly have uh, Nathaniel Gillis on, um, demonologist, and he okay. he talks about the the molters, the idea that there is there is actually a a I guess a family of demons or uh, fallen angels that have basically been inhabiting humans over the last many thousands of years, passing from one human to another, um, displacing souls, things like that. Really, really remarkable stuff. And mm-hmm. when you're talking about alien abduction, things like that, one of those, one of the things that we talk about regularly is um, how much of this. How much of these phenomenon are we actively creating? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially whenever you're talking about walking into a haunted location, things like that. How much of it are we bringing in with us? Uh, because we 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 can be responsible for that ourselves. You know, and even even the concept of uh, why somebody sees something and somebody right next to them doesn't um, could very well just be the fact of vibrational reception you know whether whether or not you're even like vibrationally aligned to see it man well chris people are seeing a lot of weird shit on cameras and video phones the things that aren't that we can't see in our naked eye but is coming Mm. through on another infrared spectrum or night vision or just sometimes regular cameras on and there's something floating around in the room right there you can't see it with your eye but it's there on your camera it's it's pretty wild. A lot and it's of that. interesting, and uh, you know, um, uh, now some of that is, of course, you know, artifacting things like that. You're you're always, especially with the cell phone, uh, it's not like it used to be where you can replace an SD card. Um, you're constantly rewriting over the same media, so you could get ghost images, things like that. Um, there are there are a few reasons why MUFON doesn't accept things like ring videos and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of that is because they take witness statements. Like if you took a picture when you witnessed it, cool. 
Um, but if you find something afterward, like that's, you didn't witness it. I'm sorry. Um, and a lot of people get very upset about that, but that is, that is where their reporting trail starts is eyewitness. Mm-hmm. What did you see? Um, and now do you have any evidence to support that? Um, and, and I think that has been a big problem, despite what anybody might think about Arrow, the, the all-domain anomaly, reconna- uh, uh, not reconnaissance, but resource office. Mm-hmm. Um, despite what you may governmentally think about that, the beautiful, beautiful thing is now we are actively getting, before that, uh, MUFON was the closest thing we had to a unified intake system for witness reporting. And it wasn't like you were encouraged to go to MUFON if you were a Delta pilot, you know, or if you were like a U.S. Navy carrier pilot. It wasn't like, oh, you saw something? Go to MUFON, fill out their form. It will shut up. Well, do you know? Do you know if the (laughs) Peter Davenport used to run the National Mm. UFO Reporting Center up in Seattle? Is is that? I don't know if that's been still around or, but that would you know when you know when I was younger and would listen to. You know, Art Bell, like Peter Davenport would come mm-hmm. on once in a while with a little report and talk about what was the yeah, crazy yeah. sighting. And, and I don't know if the National UFO Reporting Center is still out there, but they they were like MUFON, you know, one of the main yeah, places yeah. people would go to report. Yeah. And, you know, once again, MUFON, I think, has probably got the furthest reaching back archive of of actual witness reports, drawings, things like that. They have, they have been archiving this stuff for going on 50 years now. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I um, think they started in Seguin, Texas in 1969 is what I like I think yeah. it's there. They were a Texas organization. Mm-hmm. I believe. A, uh, and speaking of move on, I, uh, my old friend, Smiles Lewis says he met you yeah. and he used to, Miles used to run the MUFON in Austin he, years ago. He ran ago. the MUFON in Austin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually really well connected with the San Antonio chapter, things like that. I'm a lifetime MUFON member. It was something that I decided to do in the name of the show simply because I, it's something I believe in. Like I don't, I don't really put my money behind politics or anything like that. Um, but I will gladly put my money behind conferences like MUFON and stuff like that where I can sponsor yeah. them and 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 help them out and help get the message out. Well that is where um, I met uh and it's interesting cuz that kind of ties into my how my publishing career began but but I met Miles in 2000 of September uh of 2000 at Jim Mosley's old conference the third oh, wow. that was the 37th annual National UFO conference and that was the one Jim Mosley used to do every year um mm-hmm. And I met Miles in 2000, and uh, he was going to be on the, and he's going to be on the show here in a week or two. But um, oh, cool, yeah. But he yeah, anomaly archives. You guys, yes, you and has he been on your show? Have y'all done his pod? He's got the anomaly archive podcast. He was he was on my show. At, uh, I always do live coverage whenever I'm out at events, and he was on the show during my coverage for Texas UFO Con. And things get so crazy sometimes with just the regular rush of guests. I forget to loop back with people, even when I see them on social media. Uh-huh. Um, like I, I gave to his birthday fundraiser um, and totally forgot to reach out to him to be like, <laughs> hey, what's going on, bud? I need to get you on to help you promote Anomaly Archives. Yeah. yeah, there are some great people doing some great things right here in Austin, man. There like, really uh, is. Josh Turner with Paranoid Round Table, uh, Paranormal Roundtable. 
Uh huh. You don't. If I, you don't know him. You should get to know him. Well, he's, he's got a wide, far-reaching audience. They cover I, a lot more. Of I, the, think, I think. I think Josh Dogman world things like that. I, I think if Josh is who I think he is, Josh and I were in the. What, did Josh get to do public access TV for a while with the show? I think he did. Because I, 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 I took. I took. Yeah. I took my. Twenty years ago, I took my. Uh, public access TV license permit mm. uh, was done with the guy that started the Paranormal Roundtable show on public access, yeah. uh, but that was at least twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, I want to say that's him. Wow. Well, yeah, I, uh, wicked cool guy. Uh, I'm I'm doing the Texas Dogman Conference with him, all that kind of good stuff. So, well, now that I'm um, back in this space, I gotta I gotta I gotta, uh, I gotta hang out with you a little more now absolutely. because because uh, you're you've been doing this for so long, and I I was away from this space for for I don't know ten years at least after I leaving Infowars. Um, I, I hadn't really gotten back into this. And so mm. uh, uh, this gives me, th with everything that's been transpiring on TV and in the media, just wanted to get back out here and, and try to have a little voice in There's this. There's too much not to talk about. Exactly. Too uh, much not too to talk about, man. It is, and, and that's just it. That's what I tell people all the time is that we, we're information machines, our brains. And the, the difference is, as opposed to many, many years ago, Russell, where, where we had time to process information, um, put any sieve at the bottom of a gutter that's just overflowing mm -hmm. and see how long it takes before that sieve actually can't just sieve water. That's what's <laughs> happening. Like we, we, when we, you're right up around my age, I'm getting ready to turn 50. You've probably got a few years on me, but man, I remember locking my bike up at the library. I remember a world without a, without an internet ringtone. Without a modem dial yeah. up, yeah, yes, you, know, you used I to have to... a world of a microfiche and a card catalog where you had to go digging for something. Right. Son. You had to go and get the girl's <laughs> number from her on a piece of paper. I, yeah, I yeah, like yeah. my ex-wife, the mother yeah. of my three kids. Get my that palm sweaty. Yeah, I had to like get the number from off the piece of paper, like back in the well, day. Even even the fact of remembering a hundred <laughs> phone numbers. Yeah, you know? like that's amazing. Like, good God. Good God, get arrested. Who I, are you calling? I they only took your phone. I only Did can you remember, remember a phone number anymore. Maybe three. <laughs> maybe three is about it. That's all yeah, the time. Time I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna wrap with you, but uh that's the time I've got on this great. on this one. But on thank you, man. Good good stuff. Let's get together and have a a, a beer yes. or have some lunch. I'll treat you. And uh and I, I've got a little I've got a little book, Chris, in my garage that has old guests in it from the old days. And I will bring out my black book if you bring out your black book and, and we'll right. we'll we'll scratch a few numbers in there together and see if we find more in PDF format, but we'll we'll work together. Well, sounds good. Thanks for being on the show, my friend. And uh, and uh, fire off the website one last time for everybody. Tell them how they can check out your show. CuriousRealm.com. That is the website. CuriousRealm.com. Live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central. Check it out. I got to hear some of a, a very interesting conversation uh, just recently. Uh, the other day uh, uh, was a very interesting show. What was that guest? That was... Uh, Mike uh, Turber. Turber, man. I got to get him on the show. He was really oh, cool. I'll get him for you. I'll we'll, get him for you. He's great. 
Well, good stuff, man. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Tune in next week, guys. Will be my guest, uh, Tim Schwartz, talking about the mimics in his new book. And uh, thank you to my guest, Chris Jordan, and Curiosity Realm Podcast. You guys, we'll see you next time. It's Russell, and remember, keep your eyes to the skies.